Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Brian Post devotional podcast. For those of you that have been following along, we've been a, a little behind lately, but that's okay and we're not in a real big hurry to get through this. But we're going to be taking a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at verses 6 to 9. I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the text. For indeed Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Again, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 6 to 9. Through the years, we've heard people use some of the passages in the New Testament to argue that Christians should observe certain aspects of the Mosaic Law. These interpretations have led to debates and different viewpoints within the Christian community. And the, passage, and the passage we're considering today is one of them. Some believers have argued that in this text, Paul commands the Corinthian community to keep the feast, specifically the feast related to Jewish ritual and worship. Here, Paul does allude to the feast of Passover. The Jewish feast, as described in the Old Testament, holds spiritual significance that is often understood and interpreted within the Christian context, especially in the New Testament. Here's a brief overview of the Jewish feast. There's uh, Passover. This feast commemorates the Israel's uh, liberation from slavery in Egypt. There's a feast of unleavened bread that's celebrated immediately after Passover. This feast involves the removal of unleavened bread from homes and eating unleavened, uh, sorry, removal of leaven from the homes and eating unleavened bread. There's a feast of first fruits, and this feast marks the beginning of the barley harvest. Then there's the feast of Pentecost, also known as the Feast of Weeks. It, it commemorates the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Then there's the feast of trumpets. This feast is associated with the blowing of trumpets and is considered a day of rest and remembrance. Then there's the day of atonement. This solemn day involves fasting and seeking forgiveness of sins, and there is tabernacles. This feast commemorates the Israel's time in the wilderness and involves uh, dwelling in temporary shelters. But what do the feasts represent in the New Testament? And to understand what Paul means here in this text, you must first understand how the early Christians viewed the Old Testament after Christ died. Everything they saw in the Old Testament pointed to, the to a fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Interestingly, a Christ-centered view of the Old Testament scriptures was per, per, predicated on actually Jesus' words. You'll recall with me in Acts, um, rather Luke 24, 25-27, that on the road to Emmaus, after his resurrection, Jesus explains to two disciples how the Old Testament scriptures pointed to him. He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in the scriptures all the things concerning himself. <clears throat> we have something like this again reiterated in Luke chapter 24, 44-47. Later in the same chapter, Jesus speaks to his disciples, connecting his life, death, and resurrection to the fulfillment of scriptures. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with, still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. 
And when he opened their minds to the understanding of scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day and raise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from uh, Jerusalem. But we must not forget also the, the passage in John 5.39, where in his discussion with the Jewish religious leaders, Jesus points out the purpose of the scriptures and their, con- and, and their connection to himself. He said this, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. These passages highlight the Jesus' teachings teachings that he fulfills all the Old Testament scriptures and that the various elements of the law, the prophets and the Psalms, point to his death, his life, and his resurrection. Or rather, his life, death, and resurrection. So we understand that these feasts were prophetically pointing to Christ. One way to understand the feast from the early church's perspective would be to emphasize the antitype of the feast and the prophetic significance. For example, in Passover, the, the, in the New Testament, Jesus is, also, is often seen as the ultimate Passover lamb whose sacrifice brings freedom from slavery to sin. His death and resurrection are seen as the fulfillment of the Passover, symbolizing salvation through the shedding of his blood. Then there's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In the New Testament, sometimes leaven in bread symbolizes sin and corruption, while unleavened bread, as we said before, represents purity. Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life, highlighting his his sinlessness and the role of providing spiritual nourishment. Then there's the Feast of Firstfruits. Well, in the New Testament, the resurrection of Jesus is often linked to the concept of firstfruits, representing his victory over death and the promise of a future resurrection for believers. Then there's the Feast of Pentecost. Well, in the New Testament, the day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples, empowering them for ministry and making them uh, making the beginning of the church age. Um, this event signifies the New Testament covenant written not on stones, but rather on the hearts of the believers. Then we have the Feast of Trumpets. Well, in the New Testament, the theme of the last trump is also connected with the future re- resurrection and the second coming of Christ. We have the Day of Atonement, and in the, the New Testament, Jesus is represented, represented rather, or presented as the ultimate high priest who provides eternal atonement through his sacrificial death, granting believers access to God's presence. And lastly, we have the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, in the New Testament, the concept of dwelling is linked to the incarnation of Jesus, God dwelling among us, and the promise of the new heavens and new earth where God will dwell with his people forever. Therefore, Paul says, let us keep the feast. So getting back to our text, we would understand what Paul, we would understand um, that when Paul says, therefore, let us keep the feast, he's not specifically referring to Old Testament passages, Old Testament feasts or festivals. Rather, he's using figurative language to convey a spiritual concept. The phrase, keep the feast, metaphorically signifies embracing and living out certain spiritual qualities and attributes. In the context of the passage, Paul's addressing the issue of sin and immorality within the the Corinthian church. Remember, a man was sleeping with his father's wife. He uses imagery of leaven and unleavened bread, as mentioned earlier, to encourage the Corinthians to live live lives of of sincerity and truth, free from malice and wickedness. The phrase, keep the feast, is a way of emphasizing the importance of adopting these positive qualities and attitudes in their lives as believers. It's not a direct reference to observing 
specific Old Testament feasts or festivals. Instead, Paul is calling for a commitment to spiritual growth, righteousness, and living in harmony with the teachings of Christ. In a broader sense, Paul often uses metaphors and symbolisms to convey deeper spiritual truth and exhortations to the early Christian community. So in this case, keeping the feast means embracing a life of moral integrity, genuine faith, and truthfulness in the context of their Christian walk.